Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, the story of Carol Ann Stevens. But first, your true crime headlines. The Pennsylvania State Supreme Court has granted convicted sex offender Bill Cosby the right to appeal his conviction based on two separate grounds. The 82-year-old former comedian and longtime Temple University trustee is currently serving a 3- to 10-year sentence for the 2004 sexual assault of Andrea Constant, a former Temple University employee who was drugged and raped by Cosby in his Philadelphia-area home. Cosby has been accused of similar crimes by dozens of women, but Constant's was the only one that had occurred within the statute of limitations. The court's decision allows Cosby's attorneys to argue two points during their appeal. Their first argument is that the testimony of five prosecution witnesses who described similar assaults by Cosby should not have been considered because their stories are, quote, dated and dissimilar to the crime for which he stood trial. Prosecutors argued that these, quote, prior bad act witnesses demonstrate Cosby's pattern of sexual assault. The other point of contention is Cosby's own recorded testimony from a deposition in Constance's 2005 civil case against him in which he admits to buying quaaludes to give to women that he wanted to have sex with. Cosby's lawyers argue that he only agreed to testify because then-District Attorney Bruce Castor promised not to bring criminal charges in the case. Cosby settled that civil case in 2006 for a reported $3.4 million but he was not criminally charged until more than a decade later. Adult film star Ron Jeremy has been arrested and charged with forcible rape, forcible oral copulation, and sexual battery for incidents involving four women. Those incidents are alleged to have occurred between 2014 and 2019. Jeremy, whose real name is Ronald Jeremy Hyatt, has been the subject of accusations by numerous women over the years, but has always maintained his innocence. The rape charges against him carry a possible sentence of 90 years to life if he is convicted. Jeremy has pleaded not guilty and is being held on $6.6 million bail. Police in Columbus, Ohio have announced that they have conclusively identified the killer of an eight-year-old girl who was raped and murdered while walking home from school nearly four decades ago. Kelly Ann Prosser was walking home from elementary school in September of 1982 when she was abducted. The third grader's body was found in a cornfield two days later. She had been beaten, sexually assaulted, and strangled. The case remained unsolved for nearly 38 years, until detectives turned to genetic genealogy to solve the crime. The cutting-edge forensic technique has been instrumental in solving numerous high-profile cold cases in recent years. Kelly Ann's killer was identified through DNA as Harold Warren Gerald, who is now deceased. Gerald's family cooperated with investigators who were able to link his DNA to evidence recovered at the crime scene. Columbus police also credit their podcast, which chronicled Kelly Ann's murder, for drawing more attention to the decades-old cold case.
Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Carol Ann Stevens. But first, a quick break. During stressful times, it's natural to want to discuss your anxieties and fears with someone. So, if you've been struggling with mental health issues like stress and anxiety, depression, isolation, or just general life changes, and you've been thinking about talking to someone, it's time to get BetterHelp. BetterHelp is not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. BetterHelp is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp can assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and get you communicating in under 24 hours. The service is available for clients worldwide, and there's a broad range of expertise available. Just log into your account anytime and send a message directly to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you don't ever have to sit in a waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So don't worry, they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And of course, in these difficult times, financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Just visit their website and read the testimonials for yourself, posted daily. Like this review, written by a BetterHelp user after counseling for one month with Jeffrey Owen. Jeffrey is fantastic. After even one session with him, I already felt like there was hope to help manage my anxiety and felt like he provided the perfect understanding sort of environment for me to express my concerns. For the first time, I feel like there's hope to have a better future for myself, and I can't wait to continue my journey with his support. Start getting better help today. Visit betterhelp.com slash murderminute. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Murder Minute listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash murderminute. That's betterhelp.com slash murderminute. Betty Broderick thought that she had the perfect life and the perfect marriage. Until one day in 1989, it all came crashing down. The once traditional housewife murdered her ex-husband and his new wife. From the Los Angeles Times comes a new true crime podcast. It was simple, The Betty Broderick Murders, hosted by award-winning writer and reporter Pat Morrison. If you're a longtime Murder Minute listener, you may remember Betts, the San Diego Stepford wife who took till death to us part, quite literally. Betty Broderick became something of a hero to any woman who had invested decades into a marriage only to find herself dumped for a younger model. 
Betts never got over it, and 30 years later, neither have we. Now, take a deep dive and hear from new voices from the years surrounding the murders who spotlight all the critical and controversial points. Divorce, family, insanity, female powerlessness, and wealth that still make this case stand out in contemporary American society. Every episode of It Was Simple will have you asking yourself, how would I react if my relationship split up like this? Is there anything that would drive me to murder? Join Pat in discovering why this 30-year-old case still gets us today. After 30 years, five bullets, two coffins, and one California prison inmate, who's still not sorry, by the way. Why can't we look away from Betty Broderick? Every binge-worthy episode of It Was Simple, The Betty Broderick Murders is available now. Download it today from wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On a rainy Tuesday afternoon, April 7, 1959, six-year-old Carol Ann Stevens of Cardiff, Wales, told her mother that she was going out to play. It was the last time that her mother, Mavis Stevens, and her stepfather, Ken, would ever see their little girl alive. When Carol didn't return home that day, police launched one of the largest operations Wales had ever seen. Every force in South and West Wales was involved in the hunt, including Scotland Yard. Hundreds of local residents frantically searched every corner of town, and over the next few days, police stopped thousands of cars in Cardiff, searched the woods and empty houses, as officers monitored the ports and guarded Cardiff Central Station to stop any would-be abductor from smuggling little Carol out of the country. At first, detectives suspected that Carol may have been taken to London by her father, 33-year-old James Lynch. He had moved to London four years earlier, after he and Mavis divorced when Carol was only two. When James read in the papers that his daughter had gone missing and that the police were looking for him, he rushed to a London police station. Carol's father was interviewed by Metropolitan Police, but he hadn't seen his daughter and was quickly ruled out as a suspect. One thing I am sure of is that by now Carol will be crying for me, said Carol's mother, Mavis. She is a friendly little girl and would talk to anyone, however much we discouraged her. But she didn't like being away from me for long. Two weeks after her disappearance, the search ended, when, on April 21st, a surveyor working in a narrow river culvert 60 miles away, discovered the three-foot-six-inch body of a little girl laying in the water, hidden from view by overhanging leaves and branches. She appeared 
to have been dead for a week. Carol was found wearing the same outfit that she was wearing on the day that she disappeared. She had been sexually assaulted, strangled, and dumped in the shallow ditch water. Her skirt was around her feet, and her shoes were scattered away from her body. Detectives interviewed over 10,000 people, took over a thousand statements, and searched 3,000 vehicles. Through these interviews, police discovered that in the weeks leading up to her disappearance, Carol had told her friends that she had a new uncle who had been taking her for rides in his car. Police then interviewed a neighbor who told them that she had seen Carol get out of a green car on April 1st or 2nd. The neighbor said that they thought it was strange because the driver had dropped Carol off around the corner instead of at the front door of her house. When I made inquiries, a neighbor told me about a strange man who was peering over the back garden wall at Carol's bedroom on Monday night, Mavis told the South Wales Echo. I was also told of occasions when neighbors and children saw her getting out of a strange man's car. A 16-year-old boy also said that he had seen the car in the days leading up to Carol's disappearance. He said that he had seen Carol go over and knock on the car window, and that the man inside had dark hair, wore a trench coat and a brimmed hat, and was reading some papers. But this information came too little too late. No one could provide police with a license plate number or a thorough description of the car or the man. Twenty days after the little girl disappeared, on the 27th of April, Carol was laid to rest in Cathay Cemetery. Hundreds of people attended her funeral. Despite numerous appeals from Carol's mother Mavis and the police for the driver of the green car to come forward, he was never found. On Thursday, July 1st, the inquest into the death of Carol Ann Stevens was concluded. The verdict, murder, by some person or persons. Now, over 60 years later, the murder case remains open. A spokesman for South Wales Police said, quote, All historic murder cases remain under active consideration and will be subject of reinvestigation as and when new information is received or when there are advances in forensic science. Cases are reviewed periodically, and if information comes in from the public or other forces, we act on it. Detective Chief Inspector Lewis told the BBC in 2019 that he hopes the crime can still be solved. The passage of time is a huge obstacle. Where there are witnesses still alive, recollection of events proves to be difficult he said. 
At that time, for crime scene investigators, DNA and, to a certain extent, blood evidence wasn't really something that was being dealt with. If that crime scene had been worked today, things would have been different. Recovery of the original case files and exhibits has proved difficult as well. But we've had successes with historic cases in the past, as have other forces. So we don't give up hope. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.